You're listening to Policy Currents, a weekly podcast from the RAND Corporation. I'm Evan Banks. And I'm Deanna Lee. Every Friday, we bring you new insights from RAND's latest research and commentary. It's February 8th. President Trump delivered his second State of the Union address on Tuesday night. He focused largely on border security, once again urging lawmakers to authorize funding for a wall on the southern border. But the speech also touched on several other policy challenges. We've covered some of these in previous episodes, including the effects of a precipitous withdrawal from Afghanistan and how to address the North Korean nuclear threat. But today we'll touch on two topics we haven't covered before, criminal justice reform and improving America's infrastructure. In his address, the president praised the First Step Act, bipartisan criminal justice reform that he signed into law in December. The law includes hundreds of millions of dollars in funding for education and jobs programs in America's prisons. According to Rand Research, investing in correctional education can make a big difference. Inmates who participate in any kind of educational program while behind bars are up to 43% less likely to return to prison. And every dollar invested saves nearly five in reincarceration costs over a three-year period. Infrastructure was another issue that may be ripe for bipartisan cooperation. President Trump said he was eager to work with Congress on legislation to, quote, deliver new and important infrastructure investment, including investments in the cutting-edge industries of the future. While there are indeed problems with American infrastructure, RAND research suggests that not everything is broken with transportation and water infrastructure funding and finance. But lawmakers need to reach a consensus on priorities, accompanied by targeted spending and policy changes. The government could focus on maintaining and modernizing vital federal infrastructure and target nationally significant projects that are beyond the capacity of individual states and cities. Examples include re-engineering connections among regional highway and rail lines, airport modernization, major dam repairs, and infrastructure on military installations in national parks and other publicly managed recreational areas. For more insights on issues that figured into the State of the Union address, check out our recap on the RAND blog. The president also used Tuesday night's address to announce more details about his second summit with North Korean leader Kim Jong-un, which will take place in less than three weeks in Vietnam. So what's been happening in the lead-up to this important meeting? Rand's Bruce Bennett says that Kim's actions in 2018 spoke louder than his words. Despite messages of peace, there are multiple reports that Kim has continued building nuclear weapons and ballistic missiles. It's likely that North Korea increased its destructive potential over the last year, says Bennett. In other words, Kim appears to be following his father's lead, refusing to reduce his nuclear weapons until the United States makes concessions. This makes it hard to predict what will happen at the summit, says Bennett. Ideally, President Trump would first insist that Kim begin to truly denuclearize. If Kim agreed, the next step would be for him to freeze nuclear weapon production in exchange for U.S. concessions, then surrender some weapons for disassembly. But Kim could decide to keep stalling. If that happens, then serious tensions may follow. The pain medicine OxyContin was reformulated in 2010. The goal was to discourage abuse by making the pills difficult to crush or dissolve. Unfortunately, this led many drug abusers to switch from OxyContin to injectable heroin, causing a large rise in hepatitis C infections. That's the takeaway from a new RAND study out this week, which provides the best evidence to date of a direct link between the reformulation of OxyContin and the recent spike in hepatitis C cases. 
Hepatitis C causes liver disease and is responsible for more deaths in the United States than any other infectious disease. It accounted for 20,000 deaths in 2015. The rate of new cases of the virus had remained steady for several years, but the infection rate began rising at an alarming rate starting in 2010. The study's lead author, David Powell, explains that these results show how efforts to address opioid misuse can have unintended long-term public health consequences. Quote, As we continue to develop policies to combat the opioid epidemic, we need to be careful that new approaches do not make another public health problem worse. Roadways can be unpredictable. For evidence, look no further than Oregon, where last year a truck spilled 7,500 pounds of slime eels, causing a four-car crash and making the roads slippery. Soon, human drivers won't be the only ones dealing with such unknown unknowns, says Rand's Laura Fraud Blenar. Autonomous vehicles will have to navigate them, too. But changes to roadway design could help, she says. In particular, roads could be modified to be more forgiving of mistakes made by human drivers, as well as the shortcomings in autonomous vehicle systems. Examples of these changes include enhanced lane divisions, employing roundabouts and rumble strips, lowering speed limits, and safer designs for guardrails. The tri-state region of Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia needs more workers to fill certain STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math jobs, in the oil and gas industries. These positions require specialized education beyond high school, but not a four-year college degree. According to a new RAND report, there's a disconnect between the skills employers want and what programs in the region are emphasizing. For example, 51% of employers sought workers with time management skills, but only 6% of colleges in the study focused on this skill as part of their programs, and very few local colleges were set up to incorporate work-based learning, such as internships, into their classes. There are steps both educators and employers can take to help better prepare workers and fill these positions. But going forward, a closer partnership between the two stakeholders will be important. Rand's Barbara Yanta and her colleagues recently analyzed survey data about quality of life in Europe. Many workers in the EU, one-third of survey respondents in fact, struggle to balance work and family responsibilities. But there are big differences from country to country in how employees describe their work-life balance. Here are two ends of the spectrum. The share of respondents that reported that it was rather difficult and very difficult to combine paid work with their responsibilities at home ranged from 20% in Ireland and 22% in Estonia and the Netherlands, all the way up to 58% in Croatia and 60% in Greece. There were also massive differences when people from different countries were asked if it was hard for them to fulfill family responsibilities as a result of their jobs. Only a quarter of respondents in Denmark, Sweden, Finland, and the Netherlands said yes, but in Latvia and Croatia, nearly 7 in 10 employees said this was a problem. Yanta says it's important for employers to be aware of the potential for work-family conflict, the problems it can cause, and ways to reduce the strain. Harmony between work and home may help improve the well-being of both children and adults, she says. It could even promote a more prosperous society. RAND is a nonprofit institution that helps improve policy and decision making through research and analysis. For more on what we covered this week, check the show notes at rand.org/podcast. See you next week.